Hey, I'm glad to see you today. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to begin reading today in Matthew 16. So if you want to follow along, we'll start in Matthew 16. As Zach said, I'm really glad you're here today. We're in a series simply entitled, This Is Us. This Is Us. And we're defining who we are from Scripture. Not just who we are as a bridge church, but who the church of God is and what we're all about. And last week, we, we talked a little bit about the family of God. There are, are three terms that the New Testament gives us to help us define and understand who we are. So in this series, we're taking three weeks to walk through these three terms, these three words to help us understand what this life with God is all about. The three expressions or terms are, number one, the family of God. This is us. We are the family of God. Today, we're going to be talking about the church. What does that term mean, the church? This is us. We're going to be talking about that. Next week, we'll be talking about the body of Christ. This is us. We're the family of God. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And these three expressions, you know, as a young minister, I used to wrestle, why, why did God give us three descriptions? The more I study it, the more I understand. He's given us three different terms or descriptions to help us understand the big picture in this life and eternity of what God has planned for us. And I believe it's really important for every follower of Christ to come to the understanding, this is us. This is who we are. Therefore, this is who I am personally. Now, I want to begin today, and I want to back up just for a moment to last week, and I want to give you a quick definition of the family of God. What does it mean to be in the family of God? If you weren't here, I encourage you, go back and listen to the message. There's a lot of great information in it. But let me just give you a real quick one-paragraph definition of the church or the, or the family of God. The family of God is all about relationship and identity. We taught that last week. The term the family of God, it brings us into relationship with God, with Christ, with brothers and sisters. We become family and it also gives us the name of God. He becomes our identity, our family identity. And the family of God consists of people who've trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, have been adopted and placed by God into his family, they carry the identity of their heavenly father and are building brother and sister relationships within God's family. This is us. That's what we talked about last week in a nutshell. But today I want to dive into the expression, the church. I feel so strongly about this series, these three weeks. And I just want to give you a little bit of input looking forward the next couple of weeks. I feel so strongly about this. I believe God is going to use this series to anchor our hearts for this year to some new things that God wants to lead us into. He wants to help us find our place within the family of God, within the church and the body of Christ. And I want to ask you to do something with me. The next two weeks leading up to our Sunday fun day, which is going to be a day of worship and prayer. The whole day is committed to worship and prayer. That Sunday in that one service, I'm believing God is really going to solidify some things in our hearts, individually and collectively, to understand what he wants to do in us this year. So here's what I want to ask you to do. The next two weeks, between now and the last Sunday of this month, I'm going to encourage you to say, take some extra time with God, to fast, to pray, whether it's a meal a day, two meals a day, or fasting all three meals. Maybe it's a day a week. Whatever God puts in your heart, whatever your schedule allows, I'm encouraging you to spend some time fasting, opening your heart, saying, God, help me understand where I fit in all of this. Because I believe God's going to do that. And the last Sunday of this month... On that Sunday fun day, it's a day of, of worship and prayer. We're going to be praying for individual needs. We're also going to be praying that God helps solidify our hearts as to what he wants to do for us and in us and through us in this year. So let's begin today, Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. I'm going to start reading at verse number 15. Now, Jesus, in setting this up, 
is with his disciples, and he asks the question, what does public opinion say about me? Who do people say that I am? How many of you know that there are a lot of opinions about God and about Jesus in our world today? Even in our nation, boy, there are all kinds of mindsets and thoughts about Jesus. But Jesus comes down in verse 15, and here's what he says. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, here's the important thing that we need to grasp today with our heads and with our hearts. Who do we really believe and who are we willing to say that Jesus is in the universe and Jesus is in our hearts and lives? Who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now I got into this last week. He calls him by his earthly name. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, what you just said, what came out of your mouth is so vitally important because you didn't just figure this out on your own. God has revealed to your heart who I am and you have wrapped your heart around that. See, it's really important that every believer in Christ, every so-called Christian, it's important that we wrap our hearts around who Jesus really was, who Jesus is, and who he's going to be for eternity. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the only way to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, Peter, you're blessed because of this understanding, this revelation from the Father. And Everything that happens in the church, everything that happens in church life, everything that happens in our individual lives, it all revolves around Jesus, who he is, who he was, what he has done, and what he's going to continue to do in the future. It all revolves around Jesus. Now, verse 18, let's read a little further. Jesus goes on to say, and I also say to you, that you are Peter. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a new identity. You've been known as Simon, son of Jonah. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to become a rock, a piece of the rock. That's what Peter, Petros, literally means. You are a piece of the rock. But then he goes on to say, and on this rock, and the word rock here means the big rock. Peter, you're a piece of the rock, but on the big rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a bold, bold, bold prophetic statement. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said to his disciples, I'm going to build a church, my church, and the gates of hell can't stop it. What a statement. Now, let's read a little further. Verse 19, then Jesus goes on and says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, stop here a minute. Have you ever stopped to realize that as people of God, children of God, the family of God, believers in Christ, a part of the church, did you know that we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Some of you didn't know that. You're going to hear some things today you probably didn't realize. You're going to hear some things maybe you haven't heard before. It's right there in Scripture. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Who has the keys to heaven? We do, the church. This is us. The church has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's read a little further. <clears throat> and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus promised to pass his authority to us, the church. The authority that Jesus had on earth, he passes to us. The power of the kingdom of heaven, he passes to the church. He gives us that authority, that right to lead people into that life. Now, what I want to do today, I'm going to give you four main things to think about. And I'm going to move really fast because i got a lot of territory to cover. Number one, I want to talk about Church Basics 101. <clears throat> okay, This is just a simple beginning understanding of the church. Let me throw a couple of things at you. <clears throat> Jesus did not make Peter the foundation of the church. Some people have been taught that. Peter is not the foundation of the church. 
I'm not going to take a lot of time to teach this. But the revelation that Peter received is the foundation of the church. The fact that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, who Jesus is, is the foundation of the church. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3 that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Even though God uses apostles and prophets in laying the foundation of the church, it all plays off of Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Who he is, what he is. That's the foundation of the church. But notice this. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Did you know Jesus is the architect and the contractor of his church. You know who's building the bridge church? Not Pastor Gary, not Pastor Ann, Pastor Zach, Pastor Nick, Pastor Corey. God's using us, but we're not building the church. We're following the instructions of the architect and the contractor. It's Jesus' church. He's the one who's building it. The next thing that's really important, Jesus says, I will build my church. Do you know who this church belongs to? It's not my church. I'm the pastor, but it's not my church. We can claim ownership and say, oh yeah, that's my church. I go to church there. I attend there. I'm involved there. That's great, but we're not the owners. Do you know who owns the church? Jesus does. It's his church. Do you know who the head of the church is? Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5 says Jesus is the head of the church. How many of you think it might be a good idea for us to be listening for Jesus' instructions since this church is his and it's all about him? It's his church. Jesus is also the author and the perfecter of our faith, our trust, our confidence in him and what he's doing in the church. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that. He's the one who's gone before us and established faith and he wants to help establish our faith in him and help us do the ministry of the church. So when we have the same revelation that Peter had, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We accept Christ as our Savior and our Lord, then we are adopted into God's family and we become the church. Now, we're going to get into what's really significant here. Number two, let's define the word church. How many of you understand that we don't seem to ever hear the word church in our, in our society except where it applies to a gathering of Christian believers. Think about that. Go on. This is a bobblehead church. Everybody give me a bobblehead this morning. Okay? I know it's early, and I know, uh, I know Chargers and Raiders fans are so sick and sad today, but it's okay. We'll get over this, all right? You ought to get used to it. Year after year, it's the same thing. You ought to quit mourning, okay? <clears throat> Rams fans, your time may be coming tomorrow night. So, uh. But let, let, let's talk about this today. What, what, is it, what does the word church mean? It only applies to religious gatherings under the name of Jesus Christ. What is a church? In the original writings, and we, we teach this from time to time, but I really want to stress it today. In the original writings, the word church simply means to be called out. Called out. But here's what you have to understand. We're called out for a purpose. We're called out. Peter put it this way. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own unique people. And God has called us out of darkness, out of sin, out of death... But he's not only called us out of something, he's called us into something. Now, stay here with me. Let, me. let me give you an illustration of this. Historically, as the word church would have been understood hundreds and thousands of years ago, when cities existed in these walled fortresses that would try to protect themselves, whether it were a castle or a village, whatever it was, they built walls around a settlement they would put gates there that they could open and close. And the purpose of the gates was to determine who could come in and who could go out. It also opened the gates to commerce. 
to, to labor, to work. It opened the doors, the gates to new people. And it opened the door to let people navigate life and go where they needed to go. And what would happen was in a society, in a village or in a city or a large community that was a walled city, they would choose leaders for that community. And so they would call people out of the community and designate them as leaders. And when they called them out, they would call them to the gates of the city because it was the gates of the city that determined what would come and what would go in that city. And they would meet at the gates of the city and they would make decisions for the whole society, the whole city, and they would be the wisdom for that society. And they were called the church because they were called out of something. They were called into something. And when they were called into that something, they had a responsibility to take care of that city's affairs and that city's business. Okay, that's the background of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will call people out of darkness into light. And then when they answer the call and they come to me, I'll make them family, but I will also give them purpose in their community, in their society, within the framework of the church of Jesus Christ. I will give them value and I will give them importance because they will lead my people. How many are following me so far? Okay. So we have been called out of darkness into light for a purpose. And that is to be in the society what Jesus was to a lost dying world. It's a part of our purpose. Now, also, this expression called out, I want you to notice this. Because if you study it through scripture, this becomes really clear. Those who are called out, those who are called out to lead the city, to make decisions for the city. It was important that they would gather and that they would congregate to do critically important business for that city. Let me, let me give you the antonym of that, all right? Can you imagine... Having a group of chosen, called out leaders and they never get together and do anything? How many of you sometimes wish our leaders would stop getting together and doing things? <laughs> but can you imagine? Can you imagine having leaders, having voices who were wisdom and direction for us, but they never get together and do anything? See, Jesus is saying, I will build my church and they will set the course for my kingdom. They will be the movers and the shakers of eternal kingdom in the earth. That's what the church is about. So God asks us to do critically important business. Now, remember last week we, we talked about the family of God and I told you, and I mentioned it a few minutes ago, the family of God is all about relationship and identity okay relationship and identity that's what family does gives you relationship and identity but when we talk about the church the church is all about purpose purpose so what is the purpose of the church we need to understand this now go to luke chapter 2 verse 49 i'm going to read just one verse but i'm going to set it up for you there's not much written in Scripture about the childhood of Jesus. Very, very little. There are a lot of books written about it from archaeological finds and from pieces of history. But the actual stories of Jesus' childhood, there's just not much there. You know, when he's a baby, they go to Egypt, they come back to Nazareth. And there's this big gap. And all of a sudden, at 12 years of age, there's a story about Jesus. His family goes to Jerusalem for Passover time. They are there. They stay a few days. They're with the caravan of people because that's how people traveled in those days. The caravan starts back. They get a couple of days down the road and they look around and they figure, oh, Jesus isn't here. Where in the world is he? Where is this 12-year-old kid? So they go back to Jerusalem looking for Jesus and they find him in the temple talking to the doctors, the scholars, the priests, anyone who will teach him the word of God. Now, here's what I want you to notice. So the family goes to him and says, Jesus... 
We've been worried sick about you. You didn't stay with the caravan. What in the world are you doing? Luke chapter 2, verse 49. I want to put the verse on the screen. Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Now stop here a minute. He's 12 years old. They're going a long ways away back home. It's a few days journey. Jesus says, why are you seeking me? Why are you worried about me? Why would you worry about where to find me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Everybody look right here. Do you understand that Jesus came to earth to do the father's business? Do you understand that? He came with a purpose. He came with a mission. Oh yeah, we know ultimately what it was, but there were a lot of little pieces involved in that big mission. Jesus came to earth with a purpose and that was to be about the Father's business. But it's interesting, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that you you and I are God's ambassadors representing Him in this worldly kingdom. Everybody knows what an ambassador is. An ambassador represents one country but lives in another country and he represents his home country to that other country. So if I'm an ambassador from America and I'm sent to England or I'm sent to Romania or I'm sent to to Kenya or somewhere in Africa or South America, while I'm there, I live in a little compound that is America within that nation. And ambassadors represent one nation in another nation. Paul said, you and I are ambassadors. We are here in this earthly, worldly kingdom representing the kingdom of God. So as the church, we're supposed to be tending the Father's business. Now think about it. Family of God, oh, it's all about relationship and identity. When he says the church, he's talking about the purpose of the family. Why did Jesus and why does Jesus build his church? To finish the work he started. He's chosen us and called us out of darkness into his family. But once we are established in his family, he says, I want you to be about Finishing what I started. Number three. Now I want to spend a few minutes talking about the business. What is the church's business? Ultimately, the church's business can be summed up in two things. God and people. Now, oh ye wonderful bobbleheads... Turn to somebody and say, God and people. God and people. The church is all about God and people. Now, at the Bridge Church, every church is designed by God to do it their own way. At the Bridge Church, we're about connecting people with God and connecting people with people. Why? Because that's what family does. That's what church does. That's what the body of Christ does. We connect with God, then we connect with each other. And after next week, this whole thing will come together and it'll make perfect sense to you. But the church is about connecting God and people. And and I told you a few moments ago, when Jesus came to earth, he came with a purpose. He came with a mission. But the church also has a mission. And if you take the Gospels, put the the Gospels, put them all together, what Jesus said in the great, what we call the Great Commission, here's the mission statement of the church from Scripture. We are to preach and declare and share the good news about Jesus. How many of you know that John 3.16 is good news? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you something. If you are lost, that is good news. If you're struggling, it's good news. It is our mission to proclaim the message of Jesus to people in our world. The next thing it says in the Great Commission is 
When people accept Christ as Savior, we're to baptize them, to help them declare to the world, Jesus is my Savior, He's my Lord, I'm now in His family, I'm in the church, I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ, my whole identity in life has changed, I've got a brand new family, we're going to do life together. Then the next thing it says is we're to teach God's Word and show people how to follow Jesus, how to be disciples of Jesus. Teach God's word. That's what I'm doing this morning. Teaching God's word. I'm not baptizing this morning, but I'm doing those other two things right now. Sharing the message of Jesus, teaching more of God's word about who we are, what we are, and what we're called to do. Make disciples. Make followers of Jesus. And then one more thing that he says in there in that great commission is we're to minister healing and deliverance to hurting people. We're to minister healing and deliverance to hurting people. That's our mission. Our mission is to grow the family of God. And then as the family of God grows, pull people into the purpose of God's family. Now, I've never heard anybody say it quite this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into it for a minute. The church is God's family business. The church defines and describes God's family business. How many of you know God has a family? How many of you are in the family? Give me a hand or a bobblehead or something, okay? I'm in the family, okay? If you're in the family... You're now called to be a part of the family business. Have you ever seen a family business operate? You've got family, and family is family, but then they have a purpose as a family. They run the family business. If the church abandons its mission, it ceases to be the church. You can call it a church, but if it's not about the mission of Jesus, the church is not the church. I don't care what you call it. It's not the church. And Jesus promised us the keys of the kingdom, the right, the authority to bring heaven to earth. And he went so far as to say, you can bring heaven to earth when you gather. And even hell itself can't stop heaven from coming to earth in people's lives. That's our calling. To bring heaven to earth in people's lives. That's our mission. To help connect people with God and people with people. And friend, I want to tell you something. If you're on the front row, if you're in the middle, if you're on the very top of the, of the back row, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you're in the family of God, you are to join in this family business. We all have a place in this business. See, let, let me show you a mistake we made in the church world. Well, pastor, he, he, he has a place in the family business. Of course, his wife does. But then the people they hire and the other pastors, they, they have the family business. And then the rest of them, us, we sit back and watch them do the family business. That's wrong. We're all called to have a heart for the family business. And I know the thing that's running through your head right now. Well, I'm not qualified. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't know enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Can I tell you something? And you start out in any business, you don't know much about it. But the longer you're in it, the more you learn about it and the better you get and the more you grow and the more involved you get. We are doing God's family business. And as long as we're doing God's family business, we will be successful. The gates of hell can't stop us. I need to illustrate this a little stronger to you. Government can't stop us. Ask the church in China. Government can't stop us. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Green Party. The reason I say that is so I can offend everybody. Okay, Your, your party can't stop the church. Your party is not defining the church. Your party is not the only party in the church. All of those other labels should fall beneath the name of our family, which comes from heaven, which comes from God our Father. 
And now that I've offended everybody, let me, let me move on to the fourth and final point of this message. And I'm going to move really fast to try to get through this, but I have to drive this home today. I'm speaking to a wide variety of people. Ethnic backgrounds, lifestyles, where we live, all kinds of people in this church, and I love it. But when we expand online and those who listen to the podcast, we have a pretty varied audience that's a part of this church. But I want to talk to everybody very seriously for the next five minutes or so, and I'm asking you to listen very closely to me. Those of you at home, those of you listening to this podcast later, I plead with you, listen to what I have to say from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, says that within the church, we need to consider one another so that we can make sure we have opportunities to minister to each other. Stir up good works is what he literally says. Verses on the screen. As the church, we're to look for opportunities to minister to people, connect people with God, connect people with each other. But verse 25, the writer says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the, is the manner of some, but encouraging or exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. The later it gets in time, the more important it is for us to gather as believers and congregate and assemble. Now, I, I taught you earlier, and please, this is coming from a pastor's heart. I'm not the guy passing through town who's here today and gone tomorrow. This is a pastor. I've been doing this a lot of years. I want you to hear a pastor's heart. This passage of Scripture, when it says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some do, that word assembling means a complete collection. Do you know what makes churches struggle? It's when people who say, that's my church, don't assemble and help us do ministry. That's what causes churches to stumble and to struggle. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, we're a good church, we're a healthy church, we're a strong church. But in this season of defining who we are and what we are, we as a church have got to shake ourselves. Did you ever see a dog get all wet? You know, you give him a good bath. What does he do? <laughs> Some of you say, I mean, my, my husband does that when he gets out of the shower. You know, <laughs> The church right now in America needs to shake itself and wake up. Because the last two years, we've fallen into some really bad habits. Everybody smile at me. Everybody in the house said, amen. Everybody at home says, let's find somebody else to watch. You know, you know what I've learned about church? It takes effort to be a part of the church. It takes faith. You have to believe what we're doing is important. God has called us not only to be removed from sin and taken out of darkness, he's called us into a place in his family and a place in the family business. But can you imagine having a job and never going to work? Now, some of you get to work from home. And I'm, I'm a manager, so I'm going to tell you, I know working from home is good and bad. Okay. But can you imagine having a job and never showing up for meetings, whether it's online or whatever? Can you imagine having a job and never doing anything? How long would that last? Not very long. When the writer wrote and said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, he said, hey, don't get into the habit of not showing up with the rest of the family. Because if you do, you start taking purpose out of your life. You start taking the mission of the church out of your heart and it no longer matters. It's just about me and what I want and what I need today. This is good. This is good. 
Now, let me, let me show you this. Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered. How many of you know what it means to gather? When two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, I'm going to illustrate this to you in just a minute, so stay with me. Here's what Jesus said. He said, when my people assemble, when they decide they're going to be the church, not just have church or claim the name of the church, when they decide to be the church and they congregate, Jesus said, if just two or three of them are there, I'm going to show up. Now, in recent years, there have been a lot of people running around saying, well, Jesus lives in our hearts. That's all that matters. That's all he asks of us. He lives in our hearts. Getting together is not important because if we get together, it doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. According to Jesus, it does. How many of you think Jesus might have known what he was talking about? Now, there's no condemnation in what I'm saying. There's no condemnation in Christ. But there's instruction in this today, and we need to be hearing it. It's important that we assemble and gather to do the family business. It's important. Jesus says, I'll show up. You get a bunch of people together worshiping God, and man, Jesus shows up. You just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's what Jesus said in the verse just before that, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven do you see what jesus is saying here he's saying there's this unity thing when people gather together for my purposes and doing my business i'll not only show up i'll see to it that what they're gathering for will be done i will answer their prayers miracles happen when we gather because jesus said it would and Jesus said, my power is available to you as a church when you gather. Now, please, I said five minutes. I meant seven minutes. Please hear this. It's so important. And and, God give me wisdom to say this right. We, We did services for four months online. And I fought depression. You know why? Because I didn't get to see my family. And I realized online church wasn't the same as being in church. It's just not. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. I fought depression. When we started having services, man, something broke loose in my life. Why? Because I fastened my heart around God's purpose for my life. But I want you to listen to this. Ann and I, When we were having online services, we'd watch online every week. We'd come down here at the church and watch it in the office. Then we'd go out and walk the the line as people were coming for community care just to be around people, just to say hi to those who were serving in community care. That's the only sense of family we really had, only gathering we had. But I learned something. Watching online is not the same as being in church. Here's why. There are a thousand distractions when you're sitting at home watching online you constantly lose your focus i got to go to the bathroom again some of you are sitting there saying i got to go right now we're going to be done in a little bit if you were home you've already been twice okay that's what i'm saying oh i gotta refill my coffee cup whoop i spilled oh the kids oh boy if you got kids you can forget about church online okay thousand distractions and it's different It's different. And here's what happens. When you're watching church online, you're going to have some moments like, "Uh aha, oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, yeah, I hadn't heard that. Oh, that's a good thought. You're going to have moments with God when you watch online. But when you gather and Jesus shows up, you are sitting under the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're asking for his authority. You've put forth the effort to be there, sitting under his authority. You're asking him to speak into your life and pour into your life. When I'm sitting at home, I want to put forth the effort today. What happens is we're basically saying this is not important. Now, some of you need to be at home. I'm aware of that. Some of you don't. 
And we can do a lot more for God's kingdom if you'd come help us. And I, I, and there's always, there's always somebody, well, I don't like that. I'm going to quit giving. It's not going to hurt me. It's going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt me. I'm telling you the truth. We need to be gathered. We're not the church unless we're congregating. Now, let me illustrate this to you. Luke chapter 40. I'm going to go real fast, okay? I said seven minutes. I meant nine minutes. Okay. <laughs> real fast. There's a story about Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Jesus goes to their house. House is full of, pe- of people. Mary sits down at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's in the kitchen serving, getting, getting food ready. She's busy, busy, busy. And she gets upset with Jesus. Luke 10, verse 41. She goes to Jesus. Jesus, help, tell Mary to get up and come help me. I'm doing this all by myself. Here's what Jesus says, verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. See, that's what happens when I'm sitting at home watching online. I get distracted and my mind goes in nine different directions. Verse 42, Jesus says, but one thing is needed. Everybody say needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What was that good part that Mary chose? What was that needed thing? That she sit at the feet of Jesus under his authority. Now listen to me. Jesus, the Son of God, is in that room teaching people, showing them the path of life, showing them what's important in life. He's teaching them, and they're sitting there soaking it up, and Mary is saying, let your word change my life. And Martha's in the kitchen saying, oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. But tell Mary to get in here and help me. Jesus said, no. You need to set aside those things to come sit at my feet. I plead with you. If you're healthy and things are good, we need you. And you need to come sit at the feet of Jesus and let him pour his spirit and his word into your life. Amen. So in closing, real fast, we gather to do the Father's business, to do ministry. The church is not church without gathering and congregating in agreeing. The church facilitates God's spiritual government. The church practices Jesus' delegated authority. The church teaches spiritual structure and spiritual laws. When we gather, things happen in church that don't happen Anywhere else? Where else are we going to learn God's ways? That's why he designed the church. There's a big difference between watching church and being the church. You you come to church to watch church. The question, are we involved in the family business? Last week at the end of the message, I asked you two questions. I'm going to change the wording, but I'm going to give you the same two questions. I asked last week, what does the family of God provide for you? Today I'm going to ask you, what what does the church provide for you? I've talked about what the church provides. Second question, what does the church require of us? The church requires the same thing that the family requires. Participation. Participation. I know I've been five minutes long today. I'm going to end right now. I'm going to close the service today. I'm going to, I want to close and I want to do some of the family business. I want to pray for you today. And I want to pray for people who've heard this today. Hearts are being stirred. Maybe some people who've never even answered the call of Jesus to be a part of his family and his church. I'm going to pray together and believe God draws us closer to him. Bow your heads this morning if you would. Father... I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word because it's truth. Father, the question today is, who do I say Jesus is? Who do I say he is? Father, there are people who've listened to this today who are asking that question. Who do I say Jesus is? 
And they're coming to the conclusion, maybe for the first time or the first time they've ever been shaken by this, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Father, I pray right now that you draw our hearts to you as we pray. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you've never opened your heart to God. Maybe you've never chosen to be adopted into God's family. Maybe you've never opened your heart and given God a chance to really work in your life. Maybe today you realize, this is my day. I need to make that commitment. I want to lead you in a prayer that will help open that door and allow God to start working in your life. So I'm going to ask everybody who's in this building today, everybody watching online, listening to this podcast later, I'm going to ask you to open your heart. Let these words be your words and pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Father, I ask you to be my heavenly Father. I surrender all to you. Teach me your ways. I will follow you. I want to be in your family. I want to know you now and forever. So from this moment forward, you're my father. I'm your child. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Heads are still bowed. One more quick prayer. Father, for every person in this room, every person who hears this message, stir our hearts. Help us understand the importance of us being involved in our place in the family business. Give us understanding of that. Call us today. Father, don't let people be offended. Let them lay down personal preferences and personal ideas. Let us lay aside our prejudices and realize God's word is speaking to me today. Father, we respond to your word. We make the commitment to you to be the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed a prayer this morning and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, we want to help you begin your journey with God. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. We want to give you this booklet the next seven days. When service is over, there'll be prayer time, prayer teams at each side of the building down front. Walk up to those teams, ask for the booklet. They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen as to how you can receive an electronic copy of this this booklet. Or if you're in a big rush, out in the lobby, in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, you can stop by the counter there, get the same booklet there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. Let's welcome Pastor Nick as he comes. Uh, I'd just like to say, Pastor Gary, thank you for hearing from God. Thank you for being brave enough to say what needs to be said. So thank you. Thank you so much. Now's our time of service where we are going to continue our worship through our giving. Uh, Recently, I I had an experience to, to go to Italy, and I was able to preach at a church in Italy. And they were such cheerful givers. And during their offering time, they actually had uh, some people come stand up front. And during their uh, praise and worship, they would actually dance down the aisle to come bring their offering before the Lord. So I'm going to ask that you stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you guys were just sweating like, oh, my goodness. Hey, it's our offering time. But I I bring that up because you guys are amazing givers. Thank you so much for your generosity. In 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about that God wants us to have a cheerful spirit, a cheerful, a giving attitude. And so thank you for being that because we serve a faithful God and you are faithful people. And thank you so much. Uh, On the screen, they're going to show you some different ways that you can give. Uh, You can give in person. We have a couple of uh, uh, boxes here in the back that you can give in, one out in the lobby area. But you can also give online. And so thank you for for doing that. I want to remind you of a few things that we have coming your way. Uh, During February is when we launch our connect groups. And that is an incredible place for you to get to know other people and to be known. Because, hey, we need to be in relationship. We've been hearing about it last week and this week. And we need to live and exist in relationship with others so that we can grow in fellowship. I also just want to throw this out there. Maybe God's put it on your heart to be a connect group leader. Maybe you've never done that before, but God's putting something there saying, you know what? This is my time. 
I need to step out and I need to, to go do this. So we have a meeting uh, for potential new leaders that will be happening February the 6th at 930. So I would encourage you, if you are interested in becoming a new Connect Group leader, please sign up for that meeting. You can do that on our website or you can do it on our church app. We would love to talk more with you, answer any questions that you might have and do some training with you to see if this would be a great fit for you. Church, would you stand to your feet? We just want to let you know how much we love you. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. Make sure you say hi to some people on your way out. God bless.